0: Welcome to From Skirts to Scrubs. I'm Alicia. And I'm Charlotte. And we are two medical students trying to figure out our place in medicine by looking to the past and current events to better understand the impact they have on us as women in medicine and women living in this world today.
1: Yeah, and you can find or follow us on social media. We have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, which are all at From Skirts to Scrubs. We also have a Twitter, which is at FSTS underscore podcast. You can also check out our website for more information on our episode, show notes, sources, and more at fromscrubs.com.
0: Yep. And you can also subscribe to our podcast. We are on all the podcasting apps and leave us a rating and review. Apple podcast is the best place for that, but you can also leave a five-star rating on Spotify.
1: Yeah. Five-star ratings only. <laughs> yeah. Only we the best don't the take best negative feedback. We take constructive feedback though. All right. So, welcome back to the new episode of the mini series. This is our second to last episode. We only have one more after this. So, I hope you guys have been enjoying more than a uterus. And this week, we're going to be talking about like a disease that honestly, we don't really understand. Like me personally, and also just like the medical world doesn't really understand. And you may or may not have heard of it before, but we are talking today about fibromyalgia. And really, I don't have much else to say about it other than jumping into it so for that alicia do you have any thoughts before we get started on fibromyalgia it is a hard disease
0: to like diagnose and stuff i know and i've i feel like i see a lot of commercials about it
1: (laughs) yeah like do you have fibromyalgia yeah i mean yeah eligible for this drug yeah yeah it's true all right well let's get into it then Okay. So what is fibromyalgia? Like, if you've never heard of it, you're probably like, what are you talking about you guys? So it's basically a chronic pain disorder that can affect multiple parts of the body. And specifically patients feel these tender, like tender spots that cause extreme pain. And these are across the body. Before we get into what those are, like, what is this pain response? I'm telling you that they have a heightened sense of pain And one of the theories behind this is that there's an idea of central sensitization, which is the theory that if you say you have like one spot that's painful and you poke it like 20 times and all of a sudden that spot like it has an intense sensation of pain or whatever you feel when you like are poked 20 times, your memory in your brain remembers that repeated nerve stimulation and it commits that to memory. So the next time that you poke that spot just once, it feels like you were poked 20 times. So it's like mm. this layered heightened pain sense. And this is very common like throughout the body in a bunch of different processes. It's a big part of substance abuse is a theory like this. This is what they think causes these tender spots in patients' bodies who have fibromyalgia is that they have a heightened pain response for some reason. There's also theories that this might be a genetic condition because if you have a close relative with fibromyalgia, then you are also more likely to have it, which would be weird to have a genetic condition for pain syndrome. I know. I've only
0: heard of like one of those, and it's like literally this one like family in like Nova Scotia or somewhere, Scandinavia has this like mutation. Yeah. And then it causes like very aggressive, like kinds of pain. I can't remember what that's called.
1: Oh, interesting. I don't know. Yeah. But so that's the other kind of pain component. that's like,
0: yeah, genetic.
1: So that's kind of like why they think fibromyalgia is happening. But like, like I said, they don't really understand why. And I honestly couldn't find a lot of information on why. So let's just talk about like more about what it is, like what do patients experience? So the symptoms of fibromyalgia are mainly focused on this like muscular pain and it's very diffuse, chronic and persistent. It also is confined like throughout the body. So it's diffuse in that it's not just in your arm or just in your leg. It's usually like across multiple points of the body, but they're mm-hmm. specific to these tender points that have been mapped across the body. I think there's like 18-ish points that have been identified as tender points and they're across the body, but they're um, a little more centralized in the shoulders, neck, and chest area. Patients often describe it as, like, a deep muscular aching pain, soreness, stiffness, burning, or even throbbing. And they sometimes feel sensations of, like, crawling under their skin. Like, something's, like, the crawling skin sensation, which is, like, the oh. worst feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that'd be awful. On top of all, how awful just being in pain all the time would be. And these symptoms are, like, mostly always present. It's not like they... Come like you'll have no symptoms at all, and then you'll have a bunch of symptoms. You always have like a baseline symptom, but then they can vary from there. So you can have flares basically of your fibromyalgia. So um, what are some things you think could cause flares, Alicia? Spicy food? <laughs> Spicy food? I don't um, know. Maybe maybe that's good. I don't though.
0: know. No, I don't know. Why I guess that's
1: definitely GERD.
0: <laughs> that's GERD. I tried, man. But
1: it's okay you did try so things like stress just like oh. any high end <laughs> yeah. of stress that makes <laughs> sense um anxiety which is also like a form of stress and funny enough weather has been shown to like hmm. by like patients describe that the weather can cause flares so changes in barometric pressure can cause fluctuations in symptoms which is interesting don't know why and then there's also a lot of Symptoms and conditions that coexist with fibromyalgia. And these are things like migraines, IBS, interstitial cystitis, and TMJ syndrome, which are all things that are pretty common in women. Hint, hint. I mean, you should already know where that's going based on the series, but you know, hint, hint. Um, It's also very tightly close to chronic fatigue syndrome, which is interesting because chronic fatigue syndrome... And fibromyalgia are like kind of the same thing, but not really. So fibromyalgia patients experience a lot of fatigue, a lot of like brain fuzziness, fogginess, like Mm. having a hard time thinking on top of their pain. So they often kind of present like they have this chronic fatigue syndrome as well. 70% of patients with fibromyalgia also have chronic fatigue syndrome. The big difference mm. between these two um, like disorders is that the fibromyalgia has these tender points, so they have these like this pain and soreness and, like specific areas of their body that have been mapped and like consistent across people with this disease. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, I guess I just
0: didn't there's... realize that there's like certain spots actually that have like that are more common across people.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're like the mapped tender points, what they're called. Right.
0: Yeah, I just—I guess I never realized that they're like you yeah. said on the shoulders and like upper body. But yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. It kind of like reminds me of um, which it might—it might be related to. I didn't see anything on it. It, it for some reason, it reminds me of like like the channels of energy in your body. That's more, like, what I was thinking. That's literally yeah. what I was thinking about. I was thinking about Avatar: The Last <laughs>
0: Airbender and the cheese and stuff. <laughs> The cheese yeah like the, the the gates of energy and like when oh you have God. like a blocked chi or like a blocked like oh yeah an yeah, yeah. area of energy that's why you do like acupuncture and like other pressure points to help like yeah relieve the gate of energy so that it's not like pooling yeah. up inside you but it like can fl- flow
1: yeah and you can use acupuncture as like forms of therapy for fibromyalgia but honestly yeah. I think the results of it just kind of depend, like, patient to patient if it works for them or if it doesn't. But, like, it's an option for them. So, mm. yeah, that's, like, the tender points when we think of that, too. So that's funny in the same thought process. Um, And then patients also have a lot of times comorbid depression and anxiety and often complaints of joint pain. Like, they might have arthritis, but there's no signs of inflammation in those joints. So, like, they don't actually have arthritis because you have to have inflamed right. joints. Have arthritis and their joints are like seemingly completely fine, but they feel like they have arthritis in their joints. Mm-hmm. So these symptoms are all very vague. They're very just like it could be this, it could be this, it's related to this and this. It's so vague. So how the heck do you diagnose this disorder? And there isn't really like specific criteria. Like mm-hmm. good specific criteria to diagnose fibromyalgia, which so I can take up to five years on average to get diagnosed.
0: Whoa. Okay. That was my question. I'm glad you answered it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can't use like labs or imaging or any specific test to diagnose it because when you get all those things, as long as they don't have like a different condition that would affect those labs like those would all come back normal there's not going to be a lab result right. or a perfect test or like an x-ray or a scan that's going to be like yep fibromyalgia it's more like well it's not this so it must be
0: right it's like a diagnosis you know? of like, exclusion yeah
1: exactly so like with the thing with arthritis they're like oh they might have they might have ra or something like rheumatoid arthritis And then they go and they're like, actually, their joints aren't inflamed. So they don't have it. Like, they don't have any of the signs, you know? So there's nothing, like, you can specifically test for, which makes it really hard. So according to the American College of Rheumatology, because rheumatologists are actually who treat fibromyalgia patients, patient must have widespread muscular skeletal pain and excessive tenderness in at least 11 out of 18 specific tender points. So that was their um original diagnosis for for fibromyalgia and now that criteria still exists but it's kind of expanding more to be like a scoring system where a patient rates how severe and widespread their disease is as well as like other symptoms they might have and that all of that like takes into account whether they have fibromyalgia or not mm. which seems a lot more vague than using tender points but i'm not sure <laughs> So that's why it's yeah. hard to get diagnosed because it's hard to, it's hard to diagnose fibromyalgia. So if you're a physician who doesn't know that much about the disease or how to diagnose it, like you're not going to be someone who's very helpful to those patients. So those patients have a hard time getting diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the symptomology is like all over the place, the treatments are quite variable as well. So there's pharmaceutical treatments that focus on like pain relief and um, even mood since stress and anxiety can cause like flares. There's also treatments based more on physical therapy and exercise. So yeah, the pharmaceutical treatments are a lot of antidepressants and even anti-seizure meds, which is kind of interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, It's also important to note that your everyday like Joe Schmo pain relievers don't really work for relieving fibromyalgia pain. So you can't use ibuprofen. It's not going to affect the pain at all because ibuprofen is made to stop inflammation, fibromyalgia doesn't really have any inflammation. You can use Tylenol. So that's good. Um, because Tylenol focus more focuses more on like the actual sensation of the pain. But another interesting thing about pain relieving meds is that opioids have not been shown to relieve pain long-term. Um, opioids are used for a lot of, you know, long-term back pain, things like this, things like that but it hasn't been shown to relieve Melch pain. It has even um, been shown to cause like a, an additional pain syndrome on top of it. Sometimes We're using opioids for extended period of time can lead to even more pain. And then of course they have a really high addiction potential. So you usually try to stay away from those. And then when it comes to exercise, you're, just, you're trying to do like mobility and strengthening exercises that have low impact. So things like walking, swimming, biking, um, things like that, that aren't going to like put a lot of strain on your body, but like keep your body moving and strong. And then to help with the stress and anxiety part of fibromyalgia, you can, you, you can do, um, therapy like CBT therapy, which is the type of therapy you go through for anxiety and depression. And you can also do things that are called mind body stress reduction. And these are like techniques such as meditation, hypnosis, biofeedback and even tai chi apparently is very helpful oh flowing energy the flowing energy it's it's it's, that it's is the flowing root it. yeah <laughs> that is the route so those are some of the ways you can treat fibromyalgia but let's talk about a little bit of the history of fibromyalgia why don't we okay okay so there has been a couple chronic pain type syndromes described in history But the history doesn't really go as far back to our friend Hippocrates. Sorry, bro. We'll have to go back to another time. Instead, we're starting more in the 1800s where there was an English physician who described tender points for the first time. And people with these points were then diagnosed with neurasthenia, which was used to describe chronic fatigue, pain, and psychological symptoms. Then later in the 1900s a man named gowers described um like these same symptoms as fibrositis um which was the previous term for fibromyalgia and but like it wasn't called fibromyalgia until more recently so people then started to study this more and more and another doctor from england noted that the pain from this disorder would change with air pressure and when rain came on which is what we see today oh, with patients oh yeah with- how their pain changes with the weather so it was noted back in the 1900s and it's still consistent today and then in the 1970s it was officially named fibromyalgia and there was it was given the like specific description of widespread pain and tender points, which were later studied in the 80s and soon doctors started using SSRIs which are antidepressants to treat fibromyalgia in the American College of Rheumatology in the 1980s um like officially took you know took the disease under their wings and created a criteria for diagnosing the condition so mm. quick and quick and easy history that's kind of how like people started to recognize the disorder and how it began started to be treated okay all right but uh, obviously if it's in this mini series then we're talking about like women Alicia what do you think the ratio is from like men to women for fibromyalgia five to one mm, not quite
0: seven to one nine to one
1: it is nine to one. Dang. It's actually estimated, it's somewhere between two to one and nine to one, but I saw nine to one more as like the actual ratio. So around 4 million people in the U S today experience fibromyalgia with the age of diagnosis being in your thirties to forties and 75 to 90% of all people diagnosed with fibromyalgia are women. Mm. And why is this the case? Well, with the theme of today, it's a mystery. We don't really know why. Like women specifically have fibromyalgia more than men. It's just like we don't really understand why fibromyalgia happens in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's interesting is like the differences in comorbidities between like the men and the women who have fibromyalgia. So that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. So it's more common in women who are obese, who are smokers, and who have rheumatological conditions such as Mm -hmm. arthritis or lupus. Women also tend to have comorbidities that are more psychological in nature. So things like bipolar disorder, anxiety disorder, personality disorders, and depression. Mm-hmm. Compared to men who have more like medical type conditions. Men have more heart attacks, peripheral, va- peripheral vascular disease, strokes, and diabetes as comorbidities with their fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lastly, women also have higher levels of pain within their tender points. And they often have more tender points than men do. So men who have fibromyalgia have less tender points than women who do. Interesting, right? Yeah. Um, and then super random last point is that I read a study that was specifically looking at veterans, which super random. But they found that the rates of fibromyalgia were the same for men and women, which is kind of interesting because veterans have have a higher, you know, have a higher comorbidities of like psychological disorders and stress and anxiety and PTSD and things. So they actually found that a lot more men had fibromyalgia in that population. So just an interesting little tidbit. Well, I wonder if that
0: also has something to do with like maybe people like veterans have like more chronic pain issues because of like undiagnosed or like undertreated pain like not even that their pain mm-hmm. is undertreated but just i whenever i think about like veterans and like you know their amputations and things like that like there's always mm-hmm. like you know issues with their like nerve bundles and like this and that kind of pain yeah. that like fan- phantom limb and like little bundles of like nerves that can get all stuck together and cause pain so I don't know if that has anything to do with it too I mean probably not but like it is interesting that pain is so like fibromyalgia and pain are like notably higher or like I guess equal like in men and women veterans
1: yeah I mean it's it's interesting because veterans you know they had to put themselves in these conditions that most people don't experience so Whatever their bodies were damaged in that time might end up telling us a lot in the future about like pain in general yeah so true all right well let's take a moment to chat then about any of like our personal experiences with fibromyalgia or any patient stories wished i had
0: more to offer here um but i was kind of saying this to you at one point before i think i just like don't I never have diagnosed fibromyalgia as like the thing that someone came in for. And I guess like Mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense because I'm never seeing patients over the course of so many visits, like at every visit. Whereas Mm -hmm. like the only providers that like, I work with like a family doctor who like, because I worked with her and I've done like months of work with her I do tend to see the same patients over and over again. But even so, like, I don't think after, you know, three, four sessions with the patient, I don't think I'd feel comfortable necessarily like giving them a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Yeah. I would, I feel almost like a pain specialist should do that. But then as a result, mm-hmm. like, now all these people are like being misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed because they're like not going to see pain specialists. Like, that doesn't really make sense. So I don't know, I just know that the people who I have seen who do have fibromyalgia on their problem list tend to also have a lot of other problems, not in mm-hmm. a bad way, but just like they have many problems on their problem list and fibromyalgia is just one of many.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, also I always hear when people talk about fibromyalgia, it's always like, oh, it's those women who are so cranky and, like, always in pain and, like, annoying, which is, like, often the perception of any chronic pain patient, honestly. Yeah. Is that chronic pain, like, puts a lot on the medical system. It, like, it costs a lot of money just in general for the patients and the medical system, and people tend to have, like, a bad view of chronic pain patients because it's frustrating for providers and for patients. It's just, like, frustrating all around because we don't have a good understanding on what causes chronic pain and also like how to treat it. Right. And it's like an invisible, it's an invisible disease. Right. And it's subjective. Right. Yeah. Like you can't see it. The tests that we use as doctors to diagnose things can't see it. And it's all based on the patient, um, which makes it very difficult for everyone involved. So that's kind of what I feel like I hear about just pain in general and also like fibromyalgia falls into that. I did like shadow a PM&R doctor for a bit and I wonder if he sees fibromyalgia patients because like he sees a lot of chronic pain patients he does a lot of physical therapy with his patients he also does acupuncture on his patients like he learned how to do acupuncture and does it as part of his practice now um so I just wonder if like pm treats fibromyalgia or not or if, like, yeah I don't know it's just if it's just rheumatology Like, I guess, yeah, it's like who does it really fall under? And like, if you think you have fibromyalgia, I wonder like who's the best specialty to go to. Cause you don't wanna, you don't wanna have to find like the fibromyalgia specialist in the country. It's just like so much money to go to one specialist. Like, there should be one type of, or a couple type of doctors you can like pick one and go to. So I don't know. Right. Those are probably things that are being, you know, in development in that part of medicine. Yeah. study that
0: but yeah and like the one thing I will say that I don't know as much about but I'm sure is like very strong is like the fibromyalgia community I imagine is like pretty strong because mm-hmm. I just feel like anytime there's like a condition that is like undertreated and under diagnosed and just like not well understood people like really come together um and so, like, they're probably, like, a very strong community that, like, does a lot of advocacy work for each other and themselves.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're completely right. So, yeah. already. Well, if you guys like this episode and are excited for our last episode of the mini-series, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on whatever app you like. You can also leave us a rating and review, and Apple Podcasts is a be- is a great place to do both of those.
0: Yes, and you can also follow us on Social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. And you can check out our website for more oh, information, thanks. show notes, sources, yeah. merch, all the things that's from skirtsdescrubs.com. Yeah. And lastly, here's to the women who fought for us to be where we are today. And may we do the same for those who come after us. Yeah. See yeah. you next time. Adios.